You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 79 of the podcast. Harp, Chad, and Case. Uh, Chad and I are here in Brockville. Case is up in Kingston. Guys, hard to believe that we are almost uh, done with March. April is coming. The nice weather continues. How are we all doing? Well, Harp, Devils are 4-0-1 against Boston, so I guess I can't complain about all the other things going on in my life. Chad? There you go. And that big save by Mackenzie Blackwood. You got to be happy about that. Uh, I think it's about 30% of people still think that it went in the net, according to our official poll on the Instagram page, which uh, who knows. Um, But yeah, so about 30%. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I started my first day actually of my new job today. So that was exciting and and long and you know it uh it is what it is though and i'm excited to to do this new role and apartment shopping and everything is just crazy it's consumed my life so it's uh it's a busy time in my life right now but all in all and all things considered i'm i'm doing pretty good how are you dude I'm good. And uh, another thing that I'm excited about is our next merch drop that is going right. to be on April 1st. That's not a joke. It's not an April <laughs> Fool's joke. Uh, you've been seeing some uh, some products that we're going to be rolling out on our Instagram story. There's a Harp Logic t-shirt. That was a surprise to me. Let me just say Harp Logic t-shirt. Uh, surprise to you, we have Boys in the Booth flip-flops in two different colors. We have athletic shorts in two different colors. We have golf shirts, golf visors, golf hats, golf skirts for the ladies out there. If any females listen to this podcast, they don't. Uh, just letting you know. But if uh, if anybody's out there, you can buy them. Um, what else do we have? Tie-dye hoodies, new champion hoodies, um, new champion t-shirts. One of our main comments last time was that um, you know people would be, be more willing to pay a little bit more if they knew that the quality was there. The quality of our yeah. previous stuff was okay. It wasn't bad. Um, but they'd be willing to pay a bit more. And so that's we've, we've heard that. We've understood. And now we've went with almost exclusively champion. And so we hope that you guys appreciate the quality. It's good shit. So hopefully this merch drop can be even bigger than the last one. And we've got some new fun products that uh, we hope you guys will enjoy for the summertime. So sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to plug all of the products that we're going to be selling. No, that's okay. And and I just want to say again, uh, you know, our our first merch drop was super successful. We hope this one is too, like you said, Chad. And uh, hey, if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to get in on the previous one, this is a great opportunity for you to buy some really cool stuff. So, 100%. Boys, I just thought of a really good idea for our competition this time around, this merch drop. I, I know that we were kind of thinking about doing it all together, but I have a way that we can do that and uh, maybe something good for the fans. I'm, I'm going to leave that there. I'm not going to tell okay. them, give them a little cliffhanger because I think it might be a good idea. Might be a little hard with me being across the province, but we'll see how it goes. We'll figure it out. And uh, this Love is it. news to us. We don't know what he's going to say, in all honesty. So this is this will be fun. Yeah, seriously. You are, uh, you are as our, uh, our listeners, are hearing it for the first time as well. So uh, looking forward to uh, hearing that case from you uh, in the future. All right. Uh, episode 79, as we mentioned off the top, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, we'll do cap or no cap in a sec. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers as well in this episode, guys. And uh, man, they have fallen off a cliff the last little while. Um, and uh, and then to wrap up, uh, we've got an interview with uh, CCHL Commissioner Kevin Abrams that I was able to do last week uh, after their season concluded, you know, with COVID and going into the red zone and all of that stuff. So that was a pretty interesting interview. And that is how we'll wrap up this episode, but we'll get into cap or no cap right now to start. It's now time for cap or no cap on boys in the booth. 
And uh, here we go. So i uh, got a couple of questions on the Montreal Canadiens and then one on the Ottawa Senators. So I'll start with this one. So, of course, Eric Stahl, that trade happened uh, over the weekend. And uh, here is number one. So the Eric Stahl trade is a win-win for both the Habs and the Sabres, cap or no cap, case. Uh, no cap. I think that the Sabres got in return maybe more than we were expecting out of an Eric Stahl trade. So that was a nice little piece for them. And I think for the, the Canadians, this gives them a lot of options of what they can do with their lineup now because you can slot him in, at, you know, maybe the 3C or the 2C. And that allows you to bounce a guy like Kotkaniemi out to the wing and maybe see if we can find a cool matchup that's going to get him uh, with a fire under his ass. So I, I kind of like this deal for both sides. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say no cap as well. Again, we thought the return was going to be probably a third round pick and just that. But they got a fifth in there too, which I think was was great return for Eric Stahl. Stahl said himself, you know, um, this is something that he's going to be able to put behind him, his time in Buffalo, for obvious reasons. Um, but I think it's good. You know, the player gets to move on. He gets to go to a place where, you know, in Montreal, and again, we keep saying this about the Canadian teams in the North Division, you just have to be the best Canadian team to make it to the conference finals. And if Eric Stahl can get there again at 37 years old, I believe he is. Yeah, um, 36. 36, yeah. then that would be great for him. And, you know, not saying that he's wrapping up his career, but he's getting towards, you know, he's on he's on the home stretch here. And it would just be nice to see him make another push in, in the playoffs. And I really thought he'd be going to Carolina, like we mentioned. I thought that would be really cool. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I do agree. So no cap. This is definitely a win-win for both teams in both situations. Well, it's funny because leading up to this trade, um, a lot of hockey insiders, you know, with TSN and, and Sportsnet were saying, that they they thought a Canadian team was out of the picture on Eric Stahl. But I think the fact that the quarantine has been reduced from 14 days down to seven, I think that really helped both the Habs and Eric Stahl. Being an older guy, I don't think he wanted to go somewhere where he has to deal with the longer quarantine. So you know what? It works out for him. And uh, he had a really tough time in Buffalo, but he's a solid pro. And uh, I think he'll fit in well with the Habs. That made me a little mad when that news was dropped about the shorter quarantine after we talked about some trades leading yeah. up to the deadline. It was like, oh, that's unfortunate for us. Yeah. I know. And how like that was a main issue at the time. And it's like, boom, it's done. But even yeah. still, seven days isn't nothing. It's not insignificant. Nope. It's still seven days. But that takes it from missing probably five plus games to maybe one or two depending on the schedule obviously but seven days is is honestly a, a big change from 14 and, and I'm glad that they got that done it makes it easier for Canadian teams yeah exactly and I agree it's a win-win for both the Habs and the Sabres in this deal so okay another Habs one for cap or no cap Cole Caulfield of course signed his ELC over the weekend uh, he's going to start in Laval in the AHL but Sooner rather than later, we will see him get some some games with the Habs this season. Cap or no cap, Chad? Uh, I'll say no cap. I, I don't know about the season, um, but I could definitely see it maybe in the playoffs if they need a jump uh, from a guy like Cole Caulfield. Similar to what the Leafs did last year with Nick Robertson. Never played an NHL game, but he scored an NHL playoff goal. And I think Putting him in a favorable situation, maybe playing on a fast or, or maybe a talented third or fourth line in Montreal, because we just mentioned they've got some great depth there. That would be fun. I don't know if it's the right decision, but I think it could be something that uh, you know would get the fans involved. It would get Cole Caulfield involved in a game. And let's not forget, this guy's a Hobie Baker finalist as well. So yep. he could, uh, you know, I think it would be great for, for the Habs to showcase that on the NHL stage. So I think that would be great. Um, Case, your thoughts on Cole Caulfield? I'm going to say cap. I disagree. I don't think that we'll see him in this season at all. I, I think it's a terrible time to try to insert a five foot seven, 165 pound rookie into the lineup is when you're in the fourth seed and you're, you're fighting to stay in the playoffs. So I know that we've had a little bit of question marks around Montreal and what they have to do next and maybe a goal scorer is what they need, but pulling in Eric Stahl and, and kind of, um, you know, they, they've got a few games in hands right now and they're in that four spot. I don't think that this is the time to kind of test them out. Maybe, like you said, in the playoffs, maybe if the team either jumps drastically or falls drastically in the next few weeks, maybe we'll see them. But personally, I don't think it's a time to see Cole Caulfield. Yeah, that's a good point, Case. Like, 
if they if they continue to kind of slide a little bit to you know this next little bit in their schedule they could bring him in as sort of a spark plug into the lineup. yeah so yeah for sure but i don't i don't see it happening where they jump very high and i don't see it happening where they jump very low i know calgary's on the doorstep right now but they've got a few games in hand so i i don't think that they necessarily need the spark that would come from testing this guy out and i think that testing him out is a uh a scary thing to do at this point. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, could see it in the playoffs if they need a jump. Could be, you know, a, a little Energizer Bonnie on a, on a third or fourth line or something similar to Nick Robertson. But again, as we've seen, Nick hasn't played any games for the Leafs this year, even after playing the playoffs. So it's kind of, it is a similar situation where they're both undersized, skilled snipers. I mean, really, it's, it's a close comparison. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's not likely, but it would be fun to see to test him out on, on the biggest stage there is. And to go along with what Case was saying before we move on, you know, if he doesn't get any games for the Habs, it's kind of a win for them because then he doesn't burn off uh, that first year of his ELC. Right. So and there's I think that too. To burn that in a normal season, it's seven regular season games, but I don't think the playoffs apply to that. And I think that was one of the reasons why Nick Robertson was brought up. So, right. Good and, point. And you could, you know, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. So Caulfield had a, had a quiet world juniors on a gold medal winning team USA, but 30 goals and 31 games, uh, with, uh, with Wisconsin. Crazy. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, he's a goal scorer. Looking forward to seeing him in a Montreal Canadiens uniform at some point. And our final one for cap or no cap, we'll stick with, uh, some college players. Uh, we will see at least one of the three senators prospects from the university of North Dakota. Uh, one of Jake Sanders. Anderson, Shane Pinto, or Tyler Clevin this season? Cap or no cap case? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I, I'm going to say no cap. You've you've got a team that's in the bottom of the basement and you got a couple guys that are, are kind of, you know, ready for that next step. Maybe not Jake Sanderson. That might be a little soon. We'll see. But now's the time to be signing your college prospects. They're, they're, uh, their season's over, so get them in the uh, in the system. Maybe play in the AHL, but maybe some of them are going to play in the NHL. I know that the Devils are starting to think that maybe uh, Tyce Thompson's going to crack the lineup here soon, and and it's exciting to to have these these young guys get signed and maybe given a chance. And especially if you're not going to make the playoffs, you know those last six games of the year, I think you're going to see a lot of rookies, especially in Ottawa, where. I know that some of the veterans have struggled and there's been a little bit of injury there. And I'm sure that a few of them will be traded at the deadline as well. So lots of opportunity for the young guys in Ottawa. Absolutely. Chad? Yeah. While I agree with a lot of your your, uh, rationale for that, I'm going to go the opposite way, Case. I'm going to say cap. I just think the Sens don't need it. They don't need the youth injected into their lineup. They're already a young team. They're already the pesky Sens. You know, they're winning games that they're not supposed to. Like... I think they should let these guys sit and develop and kind of just maybe maybe that's your point. They're not getting on the ice. Their season's over or whatever. But I just think maybe forcing them into games before they're ready to play isn't always the best in terms of like the prospect development trajectory, if, if that makes sense. But um, you look at a guy like Alex Formanton on, on the Sens and he played his first NHL game about two years ago. And then he didn't play for another two years. And now he's been injected into this lineup and he's looked pretty good. He's a fast player. So I think it's just, you know, maybe take the slow and long approach if you can on the sense, because nobody is expecting anything from this team. You don't really need that spark, as as I've mentioned before. So it's just kind of like I don't see it happening, though, if it did, I think it would be fun to watch as well. So I am going to say cap. I don't think we see any of those players this year, especially Jake Sanderson. I don't think he's ready. I think they missed on that pick and they're going to kick themselves for the next few years. We're taking Sanderson over Drysdale because Drysdale looks sick all heck of a debut with the ducks yeah so but yeah so that that to wrap up just i'm gonna say cap i don't think they need it i don't think we should see it this year maybe next year you've got even more good young players on your team I, I thought there was a chance of it happening, although I don't know. I mean, Christian Willannon was just placed on waivers. No one uh, took a flyer on him. Mike Riley, who was rumored, you know, to 
be uh, to be traded um, sometime this year. He's been playing a lot better for them. And then who knows with a guy like Eric Branson, they're talking about him as maybe a guy that could get, you know, a, a one or two year extension to, to stick around and he's a right shot D and they need, uh, they need those uh, because they're, they're pretty heavy on the left side. So anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And, uh, and there we go. Cap or no cap returns for episode 79 of the podcast. We will now get into the Philadelphia Flyers. Now a word from our sponsor. Boys in the Booth is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code BITB20, get 20% off, plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. Did you know that one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder to all the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping, has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support to fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as a part of their We Save Balls initiative. So while you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little investigation for any lumps, changes in size, or any pain? I think we can all agree it's pretty fun playing with your balls anyway. Manscaped recommends you check yourself at least once a month, and if you do feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find their electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce cuts to the sack. All liquid formulations uh, use only the best ingredients. Some of these liquid tools include the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls. The Crop Reviver, a spray-on ball toner and refresher. And the Perfect Package 3.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxers that keep your package cool and feeling fresh. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code BITB20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code BITB20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Now back to the episode. So let's go into where the Flyers are currently at in the standings uh, as we are recording this. So 16, 13, and 4. They've got 36 points in 33 games, currently out of a playoff spot. And I think that is the, the biggest thing here. They're three points behind Boston for that fourth and final playoff spot in the East. And they're 3, 6, and 1 in their last 10, including a couple of pretty brutal losses to the New York Rangers. Um, and and so basically what we're going to do is just kind of talk about what is wrong with this team that had really high expectations going into this 2020-21 NHL season. And we're going yeah. to identify one issue each uh, that is uh, wrong with the with the Philadelphia Flyers. So Case, why, why don't we start with you and your your issue with, with this team and just your, your thoughts overall on the Philadelphia Flyers and where they're at right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny that we were very right about some teams, very wrong about other teams. But when you look about our uh, our predictions heading into this season, the one that may make us look like the biggest bunch of assholes is the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers, because we were all in agreement, fairly certain that these guys were either going to be top three or win the division. And we yeah. we all had them ranked number one. So yeah. they've definitely not lived up to the expectations. They're having a terrible march right now. And I guess what my problem is with them right now is, is something I've talked about before with other teams is their identity is just completely out the window. And you look at this last month and they're looking like a frustrated team, visually frustrated, uh, verbally frustrated. You're seeing some guys just playing way below their skill levels but 
You also see in those huge losses to the Rangers that in the second game, it just looked like they're looking for a fight the whole game because they're pissy. I mean, after two going down two goals, Sam Moran was looking for a fight every single time he was on the ice. There's a bunch of fisticuffs between a couple guys. They're all going after Strom constantly. Every time these two teams play, they go going after Ryan Lindgren. It's like they're just forgetting to play their hockey and they're trying to be the broad street bullies of the past instead of playing 2021 hockey and it's it's tough to watch to be honest and you look at the last few minutes of that game and and moran actually ends up with a suspension and that's just a visually frustrated team and then you get shane goss talking in an interview after the game kind of swearing in the interview talking about how they're they're getting bullied in front of their net and how they're not helping their goalie at all and I know that we're going to get to the goalies, but that's the case. It's just the team has lost their identity of a team that can play pretty well in, in front of hot goaltending, which they've had in the last two years. So, you know, my my big takeaway right now is that they need to refine their identity. Um, right now, the schedule is looking like it might help there because they did beat the Rangers. Finally, they play Buffalo, I think, three times next and then the Devils. And then they get to play Boston. Maybe they get a little hot from these uh, lower teams in the standings. And then they get to play Boston, who's the the team they're trying to catch right now. My last point that I want to make about the Flyers, I'm doing a little 1A, 1B here, is Couturier is certainly not having the season that we're used to. And I think that he is playing into the bad defense that this team has, has shown so far this season. He's maybe the best defensive forward in the league. So I got a, little, a couple stats for you here. So far this season, he has eight takeaways, nine blocks, and 15 hits in 22 games. Last year, he had 40 takeaways, 26 blocks, 60 hits in 69 games. So his his 69 game pace this year has him at 24 takeaways instead of uh, 40 last year. You know, he's just not the defensive guy that we've seen him be. He's not as physical either. It's just it's not a good look for Couturier so far this year. Yeah, and some good points there, Case. And what I wanted to say off the top was that um, in terms of projections, so we were talking about you know how we ranked the teams and we ranked each division, and we all had Philadelphia completely wrong. We could admit that. But at the same time, do you think anybody saw this coming? Because I don't. I think no. this is the biggest surprise of the NHL this season, maybe second to the Buffalo Sabres being so bad and again sorry heart but you hung in last episode when we talked about it oh i sure did but uh yeah this is just a huge disappointment so far and i don't even think that they're a bad team i think they're a good team uh, what Kay said struggling to find their identity and just struggling to piece it together and you know when you start losing a bunch in a row or you, you lose a couple you know egregious games like against the Rangers and you just have no confidence and it's just so hard to get that confidence back and and to play at a high level and that starts with the goalie Carter Hart and we knew we were going to talk about this when we did this episode um, because Carter Hart is one of the best young goalies in the NHL or you know over the last few years he has been so in 2018-19, he broke onto the scene and he had a 9-17 save in 31 games. And we're like, okay, whoa, this kid is good. Um, the following year, 1920, he had a 9-14 save in 43 games played as the starter in that shortened season, 1920. So he was the guy, you know, Brian Elliott had sort of assumed that backup role and uh, I mean, I mean, now he's the starter, but it sort of, it looked like all signs were pointing to Carter Hart being the next young Vesna Trophy winner in this league that we could see in the next few years. Well, this year through 22 games, he is currently, I would say the backup. He's not a third string goalie, even though he is scratched for the next two games, according to Elaine Vigneault. Yep. Um, but yeah, he has an 869 save percentage through 22 games. So he just hasn't been good enough. And whether you put that on, you know, the lack of confidence or the poor defensive play as a team that the Flyers are providing in front of him or just 
not a lot of scoring up front, so feeling that you have to be the guy and just not being able to rise to the occasion. There's something going on. Or maybe, maybe it's a, la- a nagging injury. We never know, right? Those things always come out after the fact. So there are a lot of things going wrong for Carter Hart right now. And although I don't like trashing on players, and I'm certainly not going to do that, I'm just going to read some some kind of bad stats here for the kid. And, uh, you know, in, in the whole sort of uh, lens of, this guy is very good, but he's struggling mightily, but I really think he'll bounce back. So so that's just the lens I want to put on this before I read some of these bad stats because then I'll get a message from, you know, Jay Aunt. Oh, you're, you know, you're mad at Carter Hart. You're being rude to him. And I went to, you know, goalie school with him. So Jay, if you're listening to this, I love Carter Hart, but he hasn't been good this season. He's been below the 50th percentile in every common tracked stat in the NHL this year. So that's including your typical ones like save percentage and goals against average, but also your more advanced stats like GAR and WAR. So that like he just has not been good. Um, of goalies who have played 15 games or more this season, and that's putting into a category of your starting goalies considering we're about 35 games into the season, goalies who have played more than half of their team's games in and around that range. Hart ranks second last among those goalies, in my favorite stat, goals above say, or goals saved above expected average. He's been bad. Only behind Matt Murray. And we've talked about Matt Murray a lot as a struggling goalie on this podcast. So Hart has allowed more than 20 goals this season than a league average goalie is expected to. That's what that stat means. He is minus 20 in that stat, meaning, he, again, he has allowed more than 20 goals more than an average goalie is expected to. Um, and again, in that same category of goalies who have played more than 15 games. So again, we're looking at the starters here, some of the best goalies in the league, which he was considered, you know, over the last two years. Again, second last in wins above replacement at almost a minus four. So he has lost his team about four games, almost four games compared to what would have happened if a league average goalie was in net. So if the, if the Flyers had a league average goalie, according to the statistics, they would have won four more games compared to having Carter Hart in net. That's a lot of games in 22 appearances. Mm-hmm. So that one right there is, is, one, of the, uh, is one of the worst stats that uh, we have. And again, he's, he's second last in the league. Um, and like I said, he scratched for the next two games. Head coach Elaine Vigneault came out and said this about Carter Hart. He needs to work on his game. He needs to work harder and he needs to work better. So I don't know if that's, you know, taking a shot at his work ethic on the ice, off the ice, whether he's just not engaged or whether he doesn't have the confidence or there's something wrong there. And I think there might be a bit of a disconnect between coach and player, just given that quote. But anyways, all of this to summarize, Carter Hart has not been himself this season, and that has been the number one reason why this team hasn't been good. I know I talked a lot thoughts on that, well, guys. I know that this may feel a little stat heavy, but I want to kind of add to it yeah. here because, I mean, when you're talking goalies, you're always going to be talking stats. You got to. Yeah. You can't just sit there and say the eye test, right? Because you can say that about any goalie. But you look at his his season uh, in 2018, 2019. Couple seasons go compared to now. This season, he has 77 goals during the stat, 77 goals in 20 starts. Well, in 2018, 2019, he had 81 goals against in 30 starts. This is a couple of years ago when he was, I guess, only 22 back then or 21 years old. And, you know, I'm never a guy who's ever going to try to point the blame at a goalie for losses, but there's some stats here that are, are kind of starting to make me feel that way about this team. And you look at the first period, the starts by these goalies, this is the big problem. So shots by period overall, so that's home and away, they've had 302 shots against 308 shots in the first period. So fairly equal. The goals... 26 for them, 36 for the opponent. So that means that, you know, well, you look at period two, 45 goals for the other team, uh, 35 for them. They're getting outscored at the beginning of the game. Their goalie's getting pulled, and that's lighting a fire on their ass. And they actually have more goals in the third period than their opponents. So, you know, the goalies are 
just not having great starts to these games and then that's just snowballing on this identity that the team has that you know gets into their head and then they're gripping their sticks too tight and they just don't play the way that we're used to seeing the Philadelphia Flyers and we have all been there right and case I'm sure you can remember this the best like you know we go into a game and I get lit up and like, you know, like the first three goals go in on the first three shots and it doesn't matter, you know, for the rest of the game because you're always thinking about that, not just the goalie, but everybody on the bench is like, well, if we got some stops in the first period, like we'd be in a much better position and it kind of just doesn't give you any confidence moving forward and you play differently. Like you said, you're gripping your stick too tight. So like maybe that, like that, I feel like that's gotta be a factor and we can talk about, you know, all the stats and, and everything together. But I think that is also a factor too. It's just the lack of confidence when your goalie is struggling. And to me, like there, there's, an obvious disconnect between the coach and the players on this team. I don't know what's going on, but man, like if this continues to go downhill and they don't get into the playoffs as the, you know, the third or fourth uh, seed in that East division, I could see a Lanvino being out the door in the off season, which is a shame, right? Because he's a good coach. But at the end of the day, if he's not the right coach for the team, then it doesn't really matter. And then really, I I think you guys um, said everything there needs to be said about Carter Hart. But I just had a couple of things. You know, one, he is still a young goaltender. And I don't think we're worried too much about his long-term future and success in this league. But um, it's, it's not good to play the the comparing game either but I, I just who the heck would have thought that Tristan Jari would be able to turn things around and turn the Penguins into a legit playoff team possibly a contender yet again um and and Carter Hart wouldn't be able to like this guy has really struggled all year mm-hmm. and uh and you know like I said he he is a young goaltender and I think maybe just the schedule the amount of games that you know that he's had to play and and uh and just this whole year in general may be tough for him and so um he's gonna be able to get a look at at the game from up top and get to watch Brian Elliott and then whoever the third goalie is there Alex Lyon I think is the other goaltender and so maybe that helps and uh, he gets in and starts playing a little bit better and gives the Flyers a chance to maybe squeak back in because I I, I still think they have a chance to squeak in because the Boston Bruins are having trouble scoring goals right now yeah if you're looking for a fantasy sleeper pick right now if we're going to talk about fantasy Brian Elliott might be your guy to go with yeah because i'm of the mind that the flyers have a good enough team to be able to turn it around and again if we're putting the lens of fantasy on it that means elliot's going to be getting a majority of the starts if carter hart is still struggling um which he has through 22 games so he's going to be getting those wins i think if the team is you know going to do better so fantasy sleeper right there and i don't think i was the only one to think that carter hart could be a vesna trophy (laughs) winning goaltender this season i picked him in fantasy (laughs) and man he has struggled also i heard something good case you're gonna love this especially given the the last game that he had. I heard this on TSN radio this morning that at this point right now, if you're Doug Armstrong and Team Canada, you're picking Mackenzie Blackwood over Carter Hart for goaltenders on this team, right? Well, he's the best young goalie in the league, and I don't know how many times I have to tell people this, right? (laughs) I think he's the best Canadian goalie in the league. I never, I'm never saying this because I don't think Carter Hart's good. I'm always saying this because Mackenzie Blackwood is just incredible, and I, I watch him all the time, right? So I, usually you'd say, oh, there's a bias there, but he's a goalie. I mean, it's a bad team. So if I'm going to be ripping on anyone, it's going to be the goalie. But that's just not the case. Mackenzie Blackwood is phenomenal. You look at their first 33 games played by the two of them. Mackenzie Blackwood had a better save percentage than Carter Hart on a trash team. So it's like, yeah, I don't know how so many people sleep on Mackenzie Blackwood when they talk about young goalies in the league and when they talk about Team Canada's goaltending. That is something that I have always been on the same page with you for case because not only do like his surface numbers look good, but his advanced stats are so good as well on a terrible team. Not even not this year. They're not that bad. The Devils aren't that bad this year. 
But in the past, he was on bad Devils teams. So, yeah. and he's looked really good. But talking about Team Canada, I, I mean, we can probably do a full episode on this at some point, but, <laughs> and we probably will. That'd be fun. But I think you're probably going with Blackwood, Bennington, and then maybe Price because he's like a legacy. I there's only one out of those three, and we just talked about them that I'm confident in. And that's Blackwood. Yep. I, so I'm confident anyway. in Bennington as well. I think he's had a he's bounced back this year. He's had a he's had a pretty good year. Um, just signed that big ticket though, so maybe you know that you never know how that's going to turn out. Sometimes yeah. players underperform, but it's uh you know it it is a conversation for another day. But it's yep. an interesting one because there there is some good young talent. Uh, for goalies in in the league and, and for Team Canada, but uh, yeah, I think Mackenzie Blackwood has to be at the top over a guy like Carter Hart right now. Anyways, yeah, it's it's a separate discussion, like you yeah. said, but it's just it it's something we have to bring up because we do expect Carter Hart to bounce back and be on that team in 2022. Who knows? Maybe Mackenzie Blackwood will be with them there as well. You know, maybe Price or Bennington will be the odd man out. Who knows? Anyway, but uh, yeah, I just think it's like Kay said, Blackwood is playing exceptionally well on not a great hockey team, but you, you look at Carter Hart and and it's it's his struggling play, plus the team is not playing that great in front of him defensively. That is a bad combination. Yeah. But again, like just getting back to the Flyers and their struggles this year, like I wanted to I wanted to phrase this question like for this episode, like the, the whole premise is like, is Philly bad? Because I think the answer is no. Like I, I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're just struggling. They're going through something, and I think they have the the talent and like the heart and the players to be able to bounce back. They're going to have to fix their defense. Something is wrong there, um, and they're going to have to fix goaltending and and maybe a couple other things. But like I don't think they're personally a bad team. Like we had them in first place. Like what do you guys think after seeing their start? Are they bad? Case. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're bad because look at this team. We've talked about them before the season, during the season. We're going to talk about them after the season. Yeah. It's a good team. They should not be in this situation. You do have some positives on the team, like Joel Farabee's having a great sophomore season, uh, especially compared to, you know, like a okay rookie season. Um, JVR. It's yeah. like, what a surprise he has been this oh, season, yeah. the goal scoring machine. So you got to be happy about that. And I think you, you have all the pieces. You've got the young core. You've got the the good veterans. If you get uh, Voracek back into it, you get Giroux back into it, you get Couturier back into it. Well, this team's good again. So like I said, they've got a good schedule going for them right now. They've got a couple easier games coming up. And then they've got a chance to take down Boston three games in a row to, to pass them in the standing. So I think this team's good. I have less less of an opinion that they're a contender now, but I still think they're a playoff team. So right. we'll see what happens at the end with this this tough division. Yeah, I, I like the Flyers too. I don't think they're a bad team. They're just kind of going through their struggles. Like it, it, this division is so tough for everyone. And, you know, we, we knew the New York Islanders were going to be really good, but we didn't think they'd be this good. Like they are absolutely rolling this year after a tough start. And I don't think we thought the Washington Capitals would be this good either. We knew they would be good, Mm -hmm. but not this good. So there's a couple of teams for you right there. And the way Pittsburgh's been able to turn things around. And so it's a tough division and, and the schedule and everything. I think they're feeling it, but no, they are not a bad team. They've got the pieces and I think they'll be able to turn it around. Yeah. So, so Casey and I both mentioned our biggest concerns. Did you yeah. have uh, like a concern that you wanted to bring that maybe we didn't touch about this team and sort of what's gone wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is definitely one that you guys have heard a lot about, I think, recently. And that's the the absence of Matt Niskanen and just the the blue line in general. And I think when you take out a guy like Matt Niskanen, who of course had such a big impact on their blue line last year. Um, and on the team in general, on and off the ice, 
um, after coming over from Washington, winning a Stanley Cup with them in 2018, of course. His absence is really being felt after deciding to retire uh, after their uh, performance in, in the bubble. And and uh, I, I was looking at his stats, guys, and, and there's one that, that stands out to me. Um, he was a minus player in just three of his 14 NHL seasons as a defenseman. So that that is just incredible. And I think last year, he really um, helped stabilize things back there. And I think he had a big impact on a guy like Ivan Provorov, their best defenseman, and um, who's been who's been kind of up and down uh, this year and and uh, in other years in his young career. And with him gone, you look at that blue line, and there's not a lot of experience. And you're looking for guys like Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim, two excellent defensemen, but they're still very young. And then you've got Provorov there. Shane Gostaspair has been on the trade block the last couple of years. He's really under underachieved since being, uh, you know, what looks like was going to be a consistent 40-point defenseman yeah. in this league. Um, you know, those those four guys right there. And then you've got some lesser experienced guys in Nate Prosser, for example. And there's just, there's not a whole lot of experience there on that blue line when Matt Niskanen is is out. And Chuck Fletcher, the GM, he never really addressed that. And so I, I'm looking at him to... Because they're very much still in the race. They're outside mm-hmm. right now. They're, out, they're they're on the outside looking in. I'm looking at Chuck Fletcher to not make a big splash um, and, and really like change up this team drastically, but to go out and get an experienced defenseman. I'm not talking about a guy like Matias Ekholm where they're going to have to give uh, a bunch of high-end assets to the Nashville Predators, but who knows? Maybe a guy like David Savard. I was going to say David Savard. Yeah. Maybe another guy, and I guess not quite on the same pedigree, but maybe a Mike Riley yep. in, in Ottawa or someone like that. Just someone to kind of hold down the fort. You know, a similar type player. Sorry. Si- similar type player to like a Joel Edmondson is what you want. If, sorry, I'm, I, if I'm picking a guy from Ottawa, it's good Branson for the I'm Flyers, sorry I laughed there. But. It's just because Mike Riley is the number one hated hockey player in the Abrams household. Like, <laughs> I've never seen my dad rag on one guy so bad for being so bad defensively. And you bring up Mike Riley, that uh, killed me. Uh, I, I, if, I, if I had water in my mouth, I'd have a wet That would have been a spit take. My point... My point for uh, for Mr. Greg Abrams out there isn't so much as Mike Riley being a guy who is defensively sound and perfect and the guy you need. It's just a guy who brings a little bit more experience. And I think that's mm-hmm. what you need. And, and just depth in general for this team. Yeah. You know? So, no, it, it just all in all... Um Niskanen's absence is, I think, is very felt, and he really helped stabilize things, and they never really found a replacement for him. So uh, I would look to them to get a, an experienced defenseman at the deadline. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Hart, because, again, I listened to our rankings episode again, and this was something I brought up as maybe the only scare that I could find about the Philadelphia Flyers was Matt Niskanen retiring. And we kind of mentioned, like, oh, but they brought in Eric Gustafson. So... We thought maybe that was a replacement. Thing is, Gustafson's had an okay season when you look at at first glance at any of his stats, but they are very different players. Replacing Gustafson with Niskanen is crazy because listen to this stat. You're talking about Niskanen stats. Well, he started 55.8% of defensive zone uh, five-on-five play. So he was always their go-to guy when they're hemmed in their zone. You talk about Gustafson, he started 35.2% of the uh, draws in the defensive zone. Wow! So he's really there to kind of move the puck around and, and play in the offensive zone more than anything. And uh, the, the last point to make about Matt Niskanen for myself is this team has the 30th worst penalty kill in the league. And he is a penalty kill specialist. Yeah. So you don't replace that gap and it's hurt them bad. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point that you brought up because that's something that they're definitely missing. But I mean, at the end of the day, and if 
if this is all we have to say about you know the Flyers, I think just to sum up, like we still think that this is a good team. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned that a couple times, and they can get back. So maybe it's a piece here and there, you know, and and the trade deadline is coming up on April twelfth, so it's under two weeks now, about about two weeks, I would say. And uh, so they need maybe to do something like that to to give them that edge to to get into the playoffs because, like we said, we still think they're a pretty good team. And uh, and as Case mentioned, uh, no excuses here on out. Like they do have a, a a favorable schedule, so there is time to turn this around. I think they could certainly upgrade, little tweaks here and there at the deadline. And uh, yeah, not a bad team. They very much still have a chance to uh, get this train back on the tracks. So yeah, and so now. We're going to change it up a bit, right? And we're going to send it over to an interview. So why don't you introduce that? Because I don't even, I haven't listened to this interview yet, but uh, but I'm sure it's good. Yeah. So obviously the uh, the CCHL, a league that uh, that you know you you played in a little bit, case as well, and and uh, many of our other guests, friends, listeners, and so uh, this is an interview with uh, the CCHL commissioner Kevin Abrams, just uh, about sort of the challenges this season. Um, any spring hockey that might happen and, uh, you know, just his message to uh, the players, the the fans, families, and uh, g- the general public about the future of this league. And, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that's coming up right now. You're listening to Boys in the Booth, a local hockey podcast. The commissioner of the CCHL, Kevin Abrams, joining us. Kevin, how are you this morning? I'm well, thank you, Harper. Thank you uh, for doing this. And uh, Kevin, you've been in this role since 2006. Has this year by far been the most challenging? Oh, I would say without question, yeah. We've had, um, you know, by comparisons, you know, you know, pretty insignificant and minor issues over the years. Um, but certainly something of this magnitude, actually, you know, as, as last season finished um, and, and uh, you know, we, we weren't able to complete the playoffs uh, and then rolling right into what's been an entire season of, of really unprecedented uh, uh, challenges. Uh, I don't think there's any question this is the hardest and, and most disappointing year by, by a long shot. I'm sure a silver lining out of this year would be that you guys were able to get the CCHL Bantam draft done last week. I'm sure that was so huge uh, for you and the league. Well, you know what? It was important, I think, um, to to move forward for next season, first of all. But I think what it, was, what it did for everyone, you know, players, parents, and, and as well as our team operators, yeah, is really give everybody some positivity. It, it was a, you know, I think in a, uh, it's the time of year and it's a, the kind of event that, you know, everybody looks forward to. Uh, it's by and large a very positive experience for everybody associated with it. And I think, you know, we, we, we've lacked that so much this year. We've had so many uh, setbacks and, you know, times where you think uh, you've made some, some traction or some headway and it's turned out not to be the case that, you know, any any sign of, uh, of positivity was, was welcomed. I think that's that was the best part of it all. Is I think we got a chance to do it. It wasn't uh, anywhere near what we would like to do, uh, what we would normally do, having it in person. But you know, I think just the experience of de- of dealing with the, the the new players and their families uh, uh, gave all of our teams a you know a much needed boost boost a, a bit of positivity. And I think uh, for the for the players, certainly they've had a challenging year in bantam hockey. As well, so I think it it, uh, it made them feel a little bit better about things. Look, you know, looking ahead and hopefully uh, better days to come. Absolutely, and uh, we had some good news earlier this week. A couple of commits uh, here at home in Brockville. Kevin Fitzgerald of the Brockville Braves committing to uh, the University of Connecticut, and then Will Larson from the Renfrew Wolves committing to Nipissing University. Uh, just how happy are you as the commissioner to to see that, and that uh, in a tough year, uh, these kids um, they they see the light at the end of the tunnel, and they know kind of what their future looks like now well uh, yeah it's the same thing uh, obviously you, you know whenever there's a chance for for you to, to to look ahead 
uh, having come through the kind of year this has been, um, you know, everyone feels good. And, and I think, uh, you know, certainly the number of, of players that would typically move on uh, isn't as high as it would, would have been otherwise. But I think, you know, just the fact that players are still advancing, still getting opportunities, um, it keeps us back on track and, and, and you know, lets us know that, you know, there are, there are better days ahead for everybody. And for those players in particular, you know, they've, they've got the opportunity they've probably been waiting for for whatever length of time, they, they, you know, they've been looking forward to that day. And uh, it didn't get deterred by what was been a very challenging season for sure. With uh, CCHL Commissioner Kevin Abrams this morning on Trending in Sports. And, uh, Kevin, can you speak to uh, any uh, spring hockey that may happen uh, uh, now? Um, we've got, you know, we typically run a variety of, of spring programs and camps. Um, uh, they're, they're pretty much run on a team-by-team basis. It, it, there isn't a whole lot of league involvement in that process. Um, so I think, you know, this year will be much like those years. Yeah, uh, I, I guess the obvious exception is, you know, everything's going to hinge on whatever, uh, you know, whatever we're permitted to do, or the teams are permitted to do with respect to public health and, and um, whatever, whatever restrictions are in place. But I think uh, you'll see teams, you know, embarking on that, on that path and, and, and working and getting their, uh, their, their camps in order and spring training programs and things like that. So, um, again, that's more looking to next season, which is very positive, and uh, and hopefully they can um, they can work away at that, and get that all sort of straightened out in the next little bit too. Kevin, twelve organizations in the CCHL. How are you feeling about their futures moving forward? Well, I think everybody's really endured a lot this year. Um, I think you know we were a relatively healthy group. Um, so I don't think anybody's taking taking uh, this year as uh, uh, something that they're they're going to be overly concerned about long term. Um, now, having said that, you wouldn't want to have to go through another season like this. Uh, so I think you know they're they're I think they're optimistic. They're looking forward to uh, better days ahead. Um, but I think overall the uh, you know the, fi- the 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 health of the organization as a group of twelve is 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 strong. Um, and I don't think there's really any concerns from a from a sort of a big picture or or a oversight perspective. But I think you know we we've uh, we've battled through a storm, and you know we're looking forward to some sunnier days. That's for sure. And uh, Kevin, uh, to wrap up, as the commissioner, is there a message that you have to the general public, to the players, and uh, and the fans? Well, I, I, you know I can't thank. Um, everyone that supported us uh, enough. Uh, and, and you know what? It, it starts with the players and their parents uh, who have really, you know, had to deal with the, you know, the direct Im- impact of this season in their own households, but, but have really been patient and supportive. And, you know, I think appreciate what we're trying to do, at least come up with some sort of solutions to this um, for the betterment of the game and for their kids opportunities. Uh, and certainly the people that support our teams and spectators, sponsors, um, you know, I, I think we know you'll be there for us when the, when the time is uh, is right and when we're allowed to do all those all those great things again. And you know, I think it's important for us to, to just really embrace our communities and and, and uh, work together to make uh, things like hockey at our level and and other activities that are in all these communities uh, that are so much a part of, of, of making you know the life in those towns. Uh, so vibrant. I think we, you know, we all need to work together and really take care of one another. So I, I, I just can't thank them enough for that kind of support. That's for sure. Well said, uh, Kevin. Thank you uh, so much for your time. It uh, hasn't been easy this year, I know, but uh, appreciate your hard work and uh, thanks for doing this. Best of luck moving forward. Great. Thanks very much, Harp. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.